Hi, I'm Monica Woodhams, and this is the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast. I'm an influencer consultant and success coach, and I'm interviewing entrepreneurs, influencers, and industry experts who are making an impact and influencing the world so that we can start to live a life that we are so totally obsessed with. Hey, y'all. I am here today with Molly Stillman. She is the owner and creator of the blog, stillpeeingmolly.com, and she is the podcast host of Business with a Purpose. So thank you, Molly, for joining today. Thank you so much for having me, Monica. Of course. So I love to kick off the episodes with a little this or that. So if you're ready for it, we'll go for it. I am game. Okay. Early riser or night owl? It's funny. I'm pretty much an early an early riser now, but I w- if you'd asked me even probably like a year ago, I would have said night owl. <laughs> really? Yes, yes. I've had to completely change my routine in the last year to for my own sanity, and so now <laughs> I am an early riser. Okay. How, what's, do you have a tip or trick for like switching over? Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I wish. And honestly, it's not like I like getting up in the morning. Yeah. Like, I would definitely much rather sleep, but I realize that I am much more productive if I actually get up and go to the gym and all of that. So I just, yeah, I, I feel like it, it, I would say it took me probably a solid month of like really committing to it. And then right. now it almost feels weird if I don't get up and, you know, get my day started early. Totally. Okay, so tea or coffee? <laughs> Actually, neither. <laughs> uh, oh di- my gosh. Diet Coke. I know. Stay, okay. Spare me the emails, guys. I know. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Whatever. It's Life is about balance. It's fine. I love Diet Coke, and I'm, I'm not ready to give it up at this point in my life. <laughs> That's, my best friend's like that, too. She's never had coffee, and she doesn't really like tea. But yeah. she'll start her morning with a diet coke. Yeah, if I had, if I have to like pick, I would say tea. I have okay. never liked coffee, which is so strange because my whole family drinks coffee. Yeah. Um, but both me and my husband think it's disgusting, which is so weird. I actually <laughs> her like husband this. does too. Oh yes. my gosh, it's really that weird. Must just be a thing. <laughs> yeah, and I love the smell of it. Like the smell of coffee is great. Get the taste away from me. No, thank you. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, she's now switched over to like the mini cans. Yeah. To like <laughs> wean herself off, kind <laughs> <Yeah>. of. <laughs> oh my God, it's fine. I'm like, you know, it, again, life is about balance. You got to just do what yes. you got to do. <laughs> exactly. Okay, do you wear a colorful wardrobe or a neutral wardrobe? I'd say a mix of both, but I have found myself in the last couple of years leaning more towards a neutral wardrobe with colorful accessories. Oh, I like that. So like colorful shoes or colorful, like I'm known for my big earrings. So I really Mm -hmm. love big, bright earrings, um, big necklaces. So I think colorful accessories with a more neutral wardrobe is definitely where I am, but like uh, today I'm wearing white jeans and then like a really bright shirt. So you know, I think it just kind of depends. <laughs> yeah. And then the last one is takeout or cooking? Cooking. I love to cook. I love to cook. Now, definitely there are nights where I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not cooking tonight. Uh, give me all of the takeout. But um, I'd say, I mean, we eat at home you know, 90% of the time. So, and I really do love to cook. My husband is the griller. Okay. He is in charge of the grill outside because I, I will burn it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think it's like the fire. The fire scares me. I'm like, yeah. keep me away from the fire. But like, yeah, if in the actual kitchen, I love to cook. Totally. Do you have like a, a meal that you're known for? Ooh, um, I, 
Hmm. Uh, pretty much any like Latin American or Mexican type dish. Um, I love to cook and, um, you know, whether it's like some type of, you know, kind of a, a rose con pollo where I like mm-hmm. I marinate the chicken and, you know, use lots of spices. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to cook with spices. Um, and I actually started recently started using this um it's a spice subscription service um yes it's called pecant post and it's like p-i-q-u-a-n-t and every month you get um like four recipe cards along with four very unique um like international spices and so i love it because again i love to cook and so it it's one of those things where I now every month I have like a challenge where, um, you know, I'm making a Lebanese dish or I'm making kind of a unique uh, Vietnamese dish or a unique unique Japanese dish or an Ethiopian dish. Um, so it's really fun because it's it's gotten me outside of my kind of cooking comfort zone and I've gotten to try some really unique uh, recipes recently. So I love it. That's so cool. Yeah, it's really fun. Especially because I feel like a lot of us, I mean, especially me, who, like, I enjoy cooking. It's not like I'm bad at cooking. But with when it comes to spices, you know, I only kind of know, like, the standard ones and not really sure how to think outside the box with them. So yeah. I just last cool. week made this um, chicken za'atar, and it's um, it's a Lebanese dish, and the but the za'atar spices have, like, oregano and thyme and cumin and um, a spice called sumac, which I've never heard of before. I mean, it was just this really interesting kind of combination of spices. And it was a hit with both my husband and my kids. So it was it was really good. And if it passes the kid test. Yes. Then, you know, it's good. (laughs) You know, it's good. Yes. Okay, so let's dive in to your business and your podcast. So Tell us about how Still Being Molly got started. Yeah, so I started my blog. um, Well, my blog as it is now, I started in 2007. Um, Before that, I had uh, a live journal, if anybody remembers what that is, Um, which, (laughs) you know, that's like really not blogging, but that's kind of where my whole passion for writing started. And I was actually an English major with a creative writing concentration in college. Um, So I just, I always love to write and that's how I process things. That's how um, I best communicate is through the written word. And so in 2007, um, right after I graduated college, I was um, working in politics for a little while, and then I became a high school teacher, and I just kind of felt stuck in this area of creativity. And I, um, I have a background in improv and sketch comedy. And and I wanted to be like The Onion. Does anybody know if you know what The Onion is? Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to be like The Onion. And so I started this blog and I was basically writing these satirical pieces, um, just kind of poking fun at society or, you know, hot Mm -hmm. topics or whatever. Um, And, you know, they were funny and I was proud of them. um, But like four (laughs) people read them. (laughs) And I realized like uh, I can't compete with The Onion. Like it's just not going to happen. And so my blog started to shift as my life shifted. And, um, you know, and this is 2007, 2008 when, I mean, blogging was around, but it definitely was not what it is today. I mean, I think like maybe Young House Love was, I mean, Young House Love was really big. I mean, it just, it was very rare to see somebody be like, I'm a blogger for a living. Like that just wasn't a thing. (laughs) And um, but I kept at it because I really enjoyed it. And, and just as my life started to sh- change, um, I'd say the first 
you know, four years after college were some of the hardest years of my life. Um, I was in extreme financial debt um, from very poor financial decisions I'd made in college. And so I was digging myself out of this hole. Um, I was in, you know, just a very damaging relationship for a while um, and moved to North Carolina and got out of that relationship. And then I just kind of hit rock bottom. Honestly, I was I was a mess. And through this time, I was using my blog almost as like my form of therapy, like my my journal. And in 2010, when I really started to turn my life around and kind of just, you know, you know, I, I really surrendered my life to God, honestly. And um, my my life just completely turned around. I mean, it was not like all of a sudden life became easy, but right. um, things changed for me. And I just was sharing these things on my blog of, of what I was struggling with. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I realized people other than my dad and my sister were reading it. And I would get emails from complete strangers and comments from complete yeah. strangers. And um, I realized like, this is a this is a very unique outlet that I can connect with people. And so I kept at it and um, it continued to grow and it continued to evolve and change. And I mean, it was it was a mess. It was not perfect. I mean, I look back at some of those posts from like 2009, 2010. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so embarrassing. Like, why did I write this? Or gosh, these pictures are horrible. I mean, it. but it just <laughs> blogging was just such a different animal then. Yeah. Like, the perfection wasn't like expected the way it is right no it's so true (laughs) yeah and so um and then in 2012 was the first time um well not the first time but I'd say the first year that I really got approached regularly for um, branded sponsorships and um and I realized that I can I can I can probably make some money off of this um but I, I set a standard for myself very early on And I said, um, I would never take money from a sponsor or money for a product that I would not either A, buy with my own money, or B, that I wouldn't write about for free. So if it was something that like, I'm only writing about it because I'm getting paid, then that means no, I'm not, I'm going to turn it down. Um, and I've held true to that. Um, and I've had to turn down some, some, uh, like a lot of dollar signs <laughs> and, yeah. um, it, it becomes tempting, but I always said I would never compromise, um, my beliefs or my trust with my readers for the sake of a dollar. Um, and then in 2013, um, I really kind of hit the ground running and really focused on turning it more into a business. While not sacrificing again, you know, my content and my trust of my readers, and um, and then in 2014, I was able to leave my day job, and um, now I blog and podcast full time. Yeah, love it. Yeah. So, what do you think is one of the main things that allowed you to grow such a engaged audience? Um, you know, I think this is one of those things that um. A lot of bloggers have different answers for this, but for me, it really, truly was staying true to myself and not doing what everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been both, I, I would say, a strength and a struggle for me over the years because I maybe haven't grown as fast as others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've definitely I've seen blogs come and go, and I've seen other blogs pop up way after mine and just explode and you know have these massive 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 followings um and 
you know, certainly there are different circumstances for different things, but I've just never over the years, like I've never done what everybody else does. Um, and you know, I think in a lot of ways, again, it's been a challenge for me, but it's also served me well because my audience is engaged and they trust me and they know that I'm not going to do something, you know, to, I'm not going to sacrifice my morals or my, or my standards or my values to, um, to grow. Um, and you know, and I don't, I don't want people to take that. Like I'm saying that other people that grow faster are sacrificing their values right. and things, but I no, think, no, 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 I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I think for me, it was just, I really had to stay true to who I was. And, and, you know, for example, um, you know, like there is a really popular, um, affiliate program on Instagram called mm-hmm. like to know it. Um, mm-hmm. I use reward style on my blog, but I just, I personally never adopted like to know it, um, which is for, for those that don't know it's kind of this um I mean it's changed a little bit how it works now with I think it's like screenshot to know it I don't know um but basically it's one of these where like you can link to the items in that you're you know talking about or wearing in a picture on Instagram and then people can get like an email with an affiliate link and then they can buy yada 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 um it just was never a, a model for my business that made sense for me. My readers didn't use it. My community didn't use it. Um, and it just, I never adopted it. I still use reward style. Um, mm-hmm. But that just type of affiliate marketing does not match how I operate. Um, and it does not match my my audience. You know, for example, like I'm really passionate about ethical and fair trade fashion. And so I, you know, I don't fault anyone else like if they do this, but like I don't personally shop at like fast fashion retailers like Forever right. 21 or Old Navy or places like that or Gap. I, I just don't. And so mm-hmm. it makes no sense for me to be, you know, sharing affiliate links for those companies if I'm not shopping from them. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> right. And so, you know, while maybe in the short term I've lost out on like some, you know, that type of affiliate income. Over the long term, it's created longer term brand partnerships for me with brands that I do shop from and do do trust. Um, and so, I mean, I still make a full time income from my job, but I don't use like to know it. And, and a lot of times, like other kind of bigger bloggers and lifestyle bloggers, they just look at me like I'm nuts. <laughs> and they're like, wait, you don't you don't use that? And I'm like, no, I don't. And I've never used it. And I don't plan on using it just because it doesn't fit how I do things. And so I think like. Yeah. You have to kind of get to the point where you know what works for you and what doesn't. And um, if you if you are doing something just because you see everybody else doing it, um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's right for you. I love that. I love that you bring awareness to that because one of the things that I love to talk about too is not putting all of your income in one basket when yeah. it comes to blogging. And I think that we've kind of seen what happens when you do with, you know, the shifts and even the like to know it to screenshot to know model, because, you know, the Instagram third party rules are changing. And then who knows what's going to happen with like Facebook Mm -hmm. and Instagram, like when they really do have to lock in their new rules and guidelines. Yeah. And I have never put all of my eggs in the Instagram basket. That's the other thing is, you know, a lot of a lot of other influencers, which like, again, if that's your jam, do it. Um, But they've put so much focus on growing their Instagram. And then I see these threads 
over and over and over again in influencer Facebook groups or influencer groups where people are like, I'm not getting as many likes on Instagram or like my engagement is down. And I'm like, I I just want to be like, y'all, I love you, but stop. Like it does not matter. Is that if that is where you are placing your business and your value, then you need to be reevaluating what you're doing. And I am an influencer. I, this is my job, but I literally do not care if one image gets a couple hundred likes and another image gets a thousand. I don't care. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that does not affect my income. It does not affect my, my, my status. It doesn't like, you know, uh, it doesn't, uh, what's the word? Like, you know, validate I guess what I'm doing um for me like my focus has always been my blog um and growing my blog and and at the end of the day that's my bread and butter because I own it I own that content um I own my email list um and so that's the stuff I can control I cannot control the Instagram algorithm I cannot control the Facebook algorithm I cannot control how Twitter changes like (laughs) so if I can't control those things, then why am I going to waste my time getting upset when they change? Exactly. Well, there's so much drama around the Instagram algorithm thing too. I can't, I (laughs) probably like once a quarter, I send my list an email. Like here's why I don't stress out because the algorithm changed last week. Right. Because like we don't have time for that. And also if you really have your business structured like a business and not like this keeping up with so-and-so thing Mm -hmm. the likes don't matter they don't they don't like likes on my picture do not affect my paycheck they don't no and I get that like people that rely on on you know affiliate income like from like to know it that that it does potentially affect their income Mm -hmm. but that's why I I say to people like don't put all your eggs in those baskets because you have no idea what Instagram is going to do tomorrow. You have mm-hmm. no idea what Facebook is going to do tomorrow. And if it were to go away tomorrow, would you still have an audience? And if yeah. Facebook and Instagram and Twitter were to disappear tomorrow, I would still have a job and yeah. I would still have an income because I don't rely on those those outlets for you know my income. Um, you know, I've just I've built that content over the years you know, on my blog. And I mean, who knows what's going to happen to the internet, but I don't, I don't see the internet going away anytime soon. (laughs) And so, you know, but who knows, like when we're 60, is Instagram still going to be around? I don't know. Like, I mean, everyone thought Snapchat (laughs) was going to be the killer of Instagram. Yeah. And Instagram was the killer. Snapchat then disappeared yeah. kind of. <laughs> yeah. Like I never adopted Snapchat. It was always weird to me. But like, you know, you get these things that pop up like uh, you know, what was those what were those like six second videos that Oh Vine. Vine. Yeah. Like yeah. everybody thought everyone thought that was gonna be the next big thing everyone, for forever. Everyone thought Vine was gonna and then there was like for a hot second there was that Vero thing. Everybody was oh, like Oh gosh, that was literally a second. It was literally <laughs> a second. Everybody's like, ooh Vero and then Vero died. And then you just have all these social networks that pop up and disappear and you know people will put a, a periscope periscope's another oh my gosh, one i used to love periscope periscope was so fun for about yeah. f- six months and then <laughs> people built up these massive followings on periscope yeah. and then all of a sudden you know facebook live and instagram live came out and killed periscope and so, it's so true right and so when you put all your eggs in the basket of, of a of a basket that someone else owns like you're that's risky Mm-hmm. That is risky. Like no, no 
long-term business owner is going to put their eggs in the basket of somebody of somebody else's basket. They're just not going to do it. They're going to own their own basket. And so that's why like I just preach over and over and over again, um, you know, my my blog and my email list, I own that. I control that. Nobody else does. And, you know, if if Instagram and Facebook were to go away tomorrow, I would still have those things and I would be okay. Yeah. What advice do you have for someone who is a new blogger and maybe they feel like they need to start on Instagram first and then if they become successful on Instagram first, then they'll start like their like actual blog because I come across that a lot. Yeah. Um, I always tell people start with your blog first. Start with Mm -hmm. your blog first. 100%. And and don't worry about so often I hear like oh well the market is saturated there's no room for me there's so much competition and I hate that I hate that people have an attitude of competition because it's not like you know blogging is not like television in the 90s where like (laughs) television in the 90s where like if you were watching step by step that oh means God, I'm rewatching that right now. Right? <laughs> yeah, step by step. If you were watching step by step, that means you were not watching Full House. Right. Because if they were on at the same time, there was no DVR. Like you you couldn't record Full House while you were watching step by step. Like mm-hmm. there was competition between shows because if you were not watching one show, that meant you were watching another um same with radio if you were listening to one radio show that meant you were not listening to the other so there was competition Um, but with blogs just because I read her blog doesn't mean I can't read yours too like and (laughs) so why is there this competition like someone else's success does not define or break my own success Totally. So why are why are we in this like imaginary competition with each other? It just right. makes no sense to me. <laughs> well, and I also think too, if you like really own your niche and like why and your why and why your blog exists and who it's for, then that's something that no one else can really do. So there's no competition in that sense. But if you're just exactly. trying to like copy paste yes. what every other lifestyle bloggers doing then I could see why someone would be like how am I ever going to stand out right well it's because you're copy pasting right exactly so if you just focus on what you're good at and what you're passionate about and write what you know then you can absolutely be successful Um, it takes work it's not Mm -hmm. going to happen overnight Um, you know like I said earlier you know my focus has never been on growing my Instagram really big. And so, you know, people will look at me and they'll be like, but you've been blogging for so long. How come you're not, you don't have more followers on Instagram? And I'm like, cause I don't care. Like, oh, say, yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter to me. But like, I guarantee you, we probably, you know, I'm not saying I have the most page views out there, but like, I have a very solid blog reading, you know, you know, mm-hmm. um, audience of blog readers that I've, I've built up over the years and they trust me and they engage with me through that through that medium and through my email list and um you know i i've i remember i i've spoken with some instagram influencers who have just these like insanely massive followings on instagram like hundreds of thousands of followers mm-hmm. and then i find out they have like you know 10% of the page views that i have and i'm like what like yeah all of your audience is on instagram like that makes me so nervous <laughs> like, <laughs> i know for me, the biggest thing, so I've been blogging since 2009, which means I've gone through three URLs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, so many redesigns. Um, 
exactly. But what that means is like my email list has been the thing that's kept things consistent and not been like now I'm starting over from scratch. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I think that's really important. Again, like if anyone has a big takeaway from this, it's like put the energy and the thing that's yours and the thing that's going to transition with you. Yes. Amen. Amen to that. So when it comes to blogging and the actual future of blogging, where do you feel that's going? Because again, so many people are putting emphasis on Instagram, even brands. Some brands are only even asking for your Instagram following. Mm -hmm. So do you think that that's a sign that something's going to change with blogging or like the actual traditional blog is going to like make a huge comeback all of a sudden. I think the latter for sure um, because I think there's a bubble that's going to burst this year um, mm-hmm. and I don't know when. I feel I, it too. I yes. don't know when. I don't know how but I think brands are it's beginning but I, I, I see brands beginning to wise up to inflated numbers um, yeah. especially on social media um, purchased followers fake likes fake followers um, followers that have or like audiences that have only been grown through these like giant international giveaways that don't really produce engaged yeah. people um, you know I, I'm I see that brands are going to start seeing these numbers of these massive influencers and they're not providing the ROI that they should be. And mm-hmm. so brands are going to wise up. Um, it is frustrating there at times because I've been turned down for campaigns before that I used to get all the time because of my my page views and my audience size on my blog and my email list. Um, I've been turned down because I don't have 20,000 followers on Instagram or I don't have 50,000 mm-hmm. followers on Instagram. And it's frustrating because I just... I just want to say to them, like, I will create quality content and I will drive traffic. Um, You know, I'm not going to guarantee sales. I think that actually also frustrates me when brands expect us to be the sales people. Because I'm like, that's not actually how influencer marketing works. But um, I think think for sure you're going to see a shift um, from the brand's perspective, um, looking at the overall package, not just you know, Instagram or not just Facebook or whatever it is. Um, I, I definitely think a bubble is going to burst. Um, I think you're going to see um, influencers working in more long-term partnerships because mm-hmm. I think, um, I mean, I know for me personally, especially since I started monetizing in 2012, my most successful partnerships are the ones that um, really see the value in a long-term commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have some brands who just, you know, I, I love, I have worked with for years and they are successful. Um, my, my campaigns with them are successful because my readers know that I talk about them all the time and this is not like a one and done. And so I think you're going to see less one and done type partnerships, which I think also means you're going to see less partnerships through networks, um, Mm. and more direct brand to influencer type partnerships or PR influence or PR company to influencer type partnerships that are more focused on the long term. Yeah. And I think that's, that resonates a lot with me as well, because the long-term partnerships, that's even what, you know, the consumer wants to see, Mm -hmm. because as someone who's following someone, when I see like every two weeks, they have their new favorite mascara of all time. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you don't trust that. 
Yeah, and then I want to then I unfollow and not that one unfollow is going to make a difference, but like I mean, when I follow influencers that I really really admire and like, I share that with everyone. I tell everyone, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, for sure. There's something to be said for like having again that long-term business plan not just for yourself, but for your audience too. Yes, absolutely. So what advice do you have when it comes to like staying on top of the industry and really making sure that you don't get kind of like behind when it comes to the changes? Because I mean, based on this conversation, like it sounds like you're on top of the industry, like you know what's going on. (laughs) Um, I think sometimes I feel like I'm on top of it and sometimes I'm like wait what what's happening um (laughs) you know I think I think it just depends on the area um I mean one of the areas I'd like to get more into is the area of video of incorporating more creative video um and I think you're going to see more of that um and video has been so big over the last couple of years and really grown um and this is an area that I am just not great at (laughs) uh it's not my strength uh I do not have like I can do it, but not well. Um, So, you know, I think that is an area you're going to see. But I just think in general, you know, looking at um, looking at how people consume media in general. So not necessarily like looking at the influencer industry, but Mm -hmm. sometimes I think it 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 helps to look at how how do you as a person so like remove yourself from the position of an influencer how do you consume media yeah. how do you interact with companies how do you interact with brands um, do you find yourself clicking on facebook ads if you do then maybe you should start considering doing more facebook ads do you sit and watch instagram lives if you don't Maybe that's not an area that you should be doing. Um, I mean, yes, you you need to be looking at your target market, but sometimes your target market is you. Yeah. And so, how are you? How are you yourself as a consumer consuming? And so, think about ways that you can engage people like you. Um, and I also want to say that like sometimes your audience your target audience is not you so you have to then maybe go out and talk to somebody else so if you're if you're in a position where maybe you are a parenting blogger and your target market really is pregnant pregnant women um, but you're not pregnant <laughs> you're <laughs> done being pregnant maybe you've like you're done yeah. having kids um, but your your target market is pregnant women so obviously your target audience is not you so who do you need to go talk to you need to go talk to pregnant women and find out from them how are they engaging with brands how are what what are they looking for what are their needs and how can you be creative in reaching that audience yeah I think one of the underestimated kind of to do's that you could do as a blogger influencer is doing research yes it's so powerful it really it really is and I say this all the time, but it's like, I know it's not like the glamorous side of (laughs) the business, but if you're running it like a business, then like, I'm sorry, you just have to do certain things that aren't like always going to be the most fun, pretty picture, you know, for sure. So when did the idea for the podcast come to life? 
So um, I actually have a background in radio. I worked in um, radio for a few years um, from 2010 to 2012 um, or 2009 to 2012. And so I loved that medium um, and I did some on-air work and I did, you know, marketing for the radio station um, and I, I just, I loved it. And so I, I guess in 2014, I was like, oh, I really want to launch a podcast, but I don't know what I would talk about. I mean, and it was just kind of one of these ideas that I just had in my brain for two years. See um, you. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I kept saying I was going to do it. I kept saying I was going to do it. And I just, I don't know. I would just find every excuse in yeah. the world to do it. <laughs> and, um, and one day, I mean, I think it was like over the summer. No, it was like in the spring of 2016 when I really was like, you know what? There is a market for, um, you know, I love podcasts like How I Built This, um, although mm-hmm. I think that came out. Yeah, How I Built This came out after I started mine. But I loved listening to the stories of business owners. Um, mm-hmm. And so I but I realized that there was a market in the podcasting world um, for stories about business owners who were changing the world um, or or you know brand owners who owned ethical or fair trade fashion brands um, or jewelry jewelry companies or um, you know the clean beauty industry mm-hmm. I I realized that the, these stories weren't being told and so much of the ethical fashion and fair trade industry are about the stories behind yeah. these companies. And so I really wanted to provide an outlet to tell these stories. And so I launched Business with Purpose in 2016, um, September 2016. Um, we I just aired episode 86. Uh, I've ha- I have 96 episodes recorded. Oh um, and it, it it's been amazing. And over the last year and a half, almost two years, um, I've gotten to interview, and it's expanded since its original kind of intent. Um, but I've gotten to interview so many amazing business owners who are every everybody from like I've interviewed an optometrist um, <laughs> who is like travels to um, remote areas and um, very uh, poor areas in like Jamaica and other countries, and they provide free um, eye exams and they provide glasses to people who need them Um, you know and he's just done uh, incredible things and he's an optometrist and Mm -hmm. he's like literally changing people's lives um, by using his gift Um, I've interviewed speakers I've interviewed authors I have interviewed you know uh, fair trade you know brand owners um, people who are working in remote villages in Thailand or um, remote villages in Vietnam uh, you know somebody who literally like hitchhiked around the world you know like yeah. just people who are doing incredible things with their gifting um, oh a guy who started a fair trade chocolate company in Ghana I mean oh my God. all these types of things of, of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things and I just wanted to share their stories and yeah. it's it's been incredible and I, I I love it that's so cool I love that because you know I think a lot of people actually do have the desire to take a look at the things that they're buying even like when you said clean beauty the mm-hmm. products they're using yeah. but there's just such little awareness around yeah. or like even places to go where like you know like that's a trustworthy source mm-hmm. to get this information so yeah. I really think it's like people like you who are like Okay, let me get this out there. Okay, this actually is more accessible than I thought. Okay, now I get it. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to your podcast, how does that work into your 
business model? Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's just kind of another rung of it, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. the sponsorship dollars that I get from the podcast um, just kind of all are lumped into um, my my Still Being Molly LLC. So my Mm -hmm. my podcast is just kind of, I would say, just another arm of Mm -hmm. my blog business. Um, And but it is it's so interesting. As you know, like podcasting is just such a different animal as far as marketing and um, Mm -hmm. growing and expanding. but it's it's so much fun. Um, I'm really thankful my yeah. husband produces my show, um, so that's great. Um, so he he kind of is you know a part of my team, if you will. <laughs> um, but he supports me um, in so many ways, and and yeah. So I just um, you know I I focus on kind of just having it be another income stream um, mm-hmm. and another content area. So people yeah. that want to engage with me. Um, you know, but aren't necessarily a blog reader, they can engage with me through the podcast if they're big podcasting people. Um, so yeah, so I just, I, like I said, I just treat it as another arm and um, look to grow it in that way as well. Yeah, and I think what's really cool about podcasting is, you know, at the end of the day, some people want to consume their information by reading it and other people want audio. And, you know, there's, that's just something that's innate in someone in a way. Yes, and for to sure. Have the two outlets, I think that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. How involved is your husband in like other pieces of your blog? Has he usually just kind of like stand back? Is he, does he take pictures for you? What, what's kind of that involvement like? Yeah, he. I would say most of his involvement really is with the podcast. Um, okay. He certainly has taken pictures for me if I really need him to. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, he. I mean, he owns his own businesses, and so he's. Oh, cool. we're, we're both self-employed, so we. He's busy enough as it is, so I try yeah. not to. I try not to bombard him. Um, yeah. But yeah, he. I'd say his his main involvement is just being my support person, or you know, he listens when I have an idea, and a lot of times he just goes, "Yes, dear, <laughs> like you should do that." <laughs> um, and then he produces my show, so yeah, he's he's an amazing amazing support system, and I I don't know what I would do without him. Oh, I love that. And then, so you obviously have kids. Do you feel like, or did you ever feel like you had to all of a sudden transition to be like? the mommy blogger or where did that kind of fit in? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I've always shared about my life. So obviously my kids are a part of my life and I share about them as well, but Mm -hmm. I don't consider myself like a mommy blogger. And, and I also will say, I hate that the the term mommy, mommy blogger has almost become like a four letter word. It's like (laughs) people are, you know, that just have this preconceived notion of what a mommy blogger is and, uh, that frustrates me because I'm yeah. like I know some parenting bloggers um, who or mommy bloggers who are incredible businesswomen, um, yes. and I yeah. look up to them so much. So yeah. I don't know why that term has just become such has so much negativity associated with it um, in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, I mean I talk about my kids. It's not certainly the focus of my blog, but I just try to make it as natural as possible. You know, I'll share their birthday parties and you know when they're you know when they reach a milestone or um you know obviously I'll share kids products that I use and really love and um you know I've if there's anything I've learned in almost 5 years of parenting, it's that parenting is just trial and error and nobody actually really knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So like every kid is different and um so you just kind of share your own experience and then yeah. you know, let people make their own decisions after that. Yeah, I think that's interesting because so my very best friend, she has a now six-month-old and 
what she's running into, she's not in the blogging industry at all. So it's this, this purely from like a consumer or like audience standpoint. And she feels like she just is so immersed in like reading everything there is because she like wants, she doesn't want to like mess her baby. Yeah. Up. Yeah. And, but it's kind of gotten to the point where she feels paralyzed in decision-making. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like sometimes we, yeah, we get so bombarded with information that we can't make a decision and we get like decision fatigue and Mm -hmm. we just feel overwhelmed. And so we just don't do anything. Um, But, you know, I I I try to tell people like, because I have this too, I struggle with this too. And I am by far like the furthest from being a perfect parent and I screw up all the time um but you know you just you do the best you can with what you have and mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day if your kids are happy if they are being fed if they are being loved and told how capable they are um if, if you're just raising your kids to to know that they can make a difference in the world and that you know that they they are they were created with a purpose for a purpose you know, mm-hmm. you're doing the right thing. I mean, I had to laugh. Yeah. Um, the late Barbara Bush, um, you know, she mm-hmm. she just passed away recently. Yeah. Um, and in an interview with uh, President uh, George W. Bush, he said that I guess like on her deathbed, she was in the hospital a couple of days before she died. And I guess he was, you know, W. was in there with her. And Barbara, in her sense of humor, looked at the nurse and said, you know why he turned out the way he did? And she said, no. And she said, because I smoked and drank while I was pregnant with him. <laughs> and, like, I just think that's – I mean, it's just so funny. And, like, it's so true. Like, yeah. so much of our parents' generation, like, their parents smoked and drank their entire yeah. pregnancy. I'm no, not saying really that it's okay to smoke right. and drink during pregnancy. Uh, but I'm just saying that, like – I mean, our, my parents grew up in the generation of, like, their parents would literally send them outside at 8 a.m. and say, don't come back till the sun sets. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we are doing just fine, guys. We're doing yeah. just fine. <laughs> I think that's an important perspective to remember. Yes, absolutely. And especially, like, again, like, as we're consuming all this information, even for um, bloggers who, like, are sharing their experiences, like, remembering, like, don't use the tone that like this is the only way to do it mm-hmm. absolutely because then that's what kind of like throws people for a loop <laughs> yeah for sure for sure so what are kind of the most interesting types of questions that you've gotten from your audience before um interesting questions just kind of like oh I didn't realize they knew me for like yeah I'm the expert in that um I think I mean a lot of times so I have been very open in sharing my personal finance story and um, how I got into debt and how I got out of debt and um so I, I have a lot of readers who reach out to me um, about financial stuff. And while okay. I am while I'm married to a financial advisor, I am far from an expert in this area. <laughs> um, I did become uh, debt free um, in 2012. And, um, you know, I have a lot of experience kind of in, in that arena. But mm-hmm. I, got, I got an email actually a couple months ago um, or not a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago. And I sent it to my husband. And I was like, I. I, I don't even know how to answer this. And it was some guy who was literally asking me about like 
if he should pay off his ex-wife's debt for like <laughs> because she left him because she was having an affair and I'm just like uh what, what? like I, I was so confused at first I was like I think this is spam but then I, I was like no it's actually not like this person is asking a legitimate question about about his ex-wife's yeah. debt I mean so sometimes I get oh really weird God. questions like that that I just I'm like yeah I don't I don't think I can answer that like I don't think I'm the person you need to be talking to about this that is so funny yeah um let me refer you to <laughs> yeah I'm like I bet you go see a counselor it yes. sounds like you need to see <laughs> we'll start there. A, a counselor and and yeah and I would say sometimes like I because I have built up such a trust with my readers that sometimes yeah. I will get really personal questions from readers um, mm-hmm. that sometimes I just have to like you have to set a boundary of like I love you and I really appreciate that you're here I don't actually think I'm the person you need to be talking to or asking that question of like mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think you actually need to be speaking with a professional <laughs> yeah when it comes to boundaries did you always have those set within your business or was that something that you had to learn Oh, I definitely had to learn. Um, I've made so many mistakes over the years as far as, you know, not having good boundaries, whether it comes from, you know, shutting off work at the end of the day and spending time with my family and not being on my phone, um, you know, or, I mean, both my husband and I are self-employed. And so it Mm -hmm. can be really easy to every single day we get home from work and we get the kids to bed and then we just work um, Mm -hmm. till, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And we can't do that all the time. Um, There are seasons where, yes, sometimes that has to happen. And we talk about it in advance. We communicate like, hey, this week is going to be really busy. I'm going to need some work nights. um, But I'm going to make sure I have everything free by Friday night so we can have a date night. Um, You know, so you set those expectations and those boundaries in advance um, and and just be open and communicate, especially if you are in a relationship. Communicate Mm -hmm. those things. Um, You know, I think um, another boundary I have had to set for myself is when I have – I have people reach out to me all the time asking for advice um, on blogging. And um, and if I said yes to every coffee or lunch date to yeah. pick my brain. That'd be your full-time job. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love people. And it's it's hard. And I always say to people, like, if you've asked me this, like, it's okay. I'm not mad at you. Um, yeah. But I get... I get bombarded with messages from people about like, I'd love to get together so I can pick your brain. And I'm just like, I, ca- I can't, I can't. I, and I have to set that boundary. And sometimes maybe I, I make somebody mad. Um, sometimes maybe I offend somebody and I don't mean to. It's just, I, I have to do that for my own sanity. And so I've started to say, you know, in response to that, I say, I would love to get together. Um, I actually do blog consulting on the side. Um, here's mm-hmm. my rate for, you know, what I charge. Um, and I also teach blogging classes. Um, yeah. And then if you if you can't do my blogging class or you don't want to do one-on-one blog consulting, here is the link to the section of my blog where I have written all of my blogging tips um, yeah. and start there. So, you know, I just kind of encourage people to do that. And I set that boundary in that way. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just you just kind of have to let the let the rest fall by the wayside. Right. Exactly. Because also there is that component of like. Uh, respecting people's time Mm -hmm. like if you're in court and I like to kind of like translate this into corporate sometimes because it kind of makes more sense but like if you're in corporate and let's say you're wanting to like change departments or get a promotion if you email the VP like hey can we get lunch like 
right you know like think about something that's going to be a little bit more respectful of their time that's maybe going to be 15 minutes instead of like a full hour something like that yeah yeah and I actually um interviewed a guy recently on my podcast too I mean he does a lot of things but one of his areas of expertise actually is kind of in the area of like job seeking and networking and um Mm -hmm. and he had a really great suggestion of like if you really want to get to get together with somebody you just set the expectations up you know in advance instead of emailing hey can I pick your brain you say you know something to the effect of like hey I am you know maybe if if this is applicable like hey I'm I'm new to the area I got your contact information from this person um I would love to get together um for 20 minutes of your time to learn more about you know and then like state the expectation up front um mm-hmm. and and be very you know specific. I'm going to take 20 minutes of your time I this is how I know you this is how I I'm connecting and and like what value can you offer them rather than you know the when you say can I pick your brain that just seems like they they want to learn only from you and not offer you any value in return does that make sense right. exactly yeah. Exactly. And I will say I am much more um, happy to, you know, like reply with an in-depth email. If someone emails me along the blogging business lines where like they tell me like where they're at, like what exactly specifically it is that they like feel like they need support around Mm -hmm. rather than just saying, hey, can I pick your brain or hey, how did you make money through your blog? Right. Things that they could Google. Yes, absolutely. Like Google first before you email me, please, people. Yeah, yes, (laughs) yes, Google, Google. Okay, so I love to wrap up these um, episodes with two lifestyle questions. So the first one is, what was your morning routine today? My morning routine today, so I got up at 6 a.m. and then I went to the gym. I go to the 6.30 a.m. burn boot camp class here in South Durham, and I love my burn boot camp. And so I go to burn boot camp. (laughs) um, I come home, and usually my son is already awake, so my husband will get my son up, um, and then he'll get him, you know, feeding, or he'll feed him breakfast, Um, and then I my husband then will leave and go to the gym and then he goes straight to work from the gym. So then I kind of take over. I get my kids fed, um, get them breakfast. Um, and then I will let them watch a show or play a game while I get showered and dressed and ready. Um, and then I got them off to preschool and then I came into the office. So I work a couple of days a week from my husband's office because okay. um, it's literally next door to my kids' school. So it's really oh, convenient. Nice. Yeah. So I can drop my kids off at school and then I come over to the office until it's time for me to pick them up. Um, and then I'll usually go home and, um, you know, get them fed lunch and then I get them down for nap and quiet time. Um, my four-year-old does not nap anymore, but she has to have <laughs> quiet time. And then my son naps. So then while they're having nap and quiet time, I try to work. Um, and then I work from my home office 
office. And then um, usually when my son is up from nap or my daughter's done with quiet time, then then pretty much the rest of the day is, you know, family time. Um, and I, you know, playing with the kids or playing outside or whatever um, until yeah. my husband gets home. So that's kind of like an average day. Um, uh, obviously, when you work from home or you work for yourself and you have young kids, like every day looks a little bit different. But I would say that's kind of my my most average day. The mornings really are the, are pretty much the same. I get up, go to the gym, come home, um, take over and, and, you know, shower and get ready. But that that time for me in the morning to go to the gym and shower and get dressed and put on makeup and brush my hair like that is vital for me um, in my mental health yes it really really is and you know some people will say like well I you know no screen time for my kids and I'm like that's fine if like, if you're anti-screen time that's fine I'm not saying I plop my kids in front of the tv all day right but yeah them watching one episode or two episodes of Mickey Mouse in the morning so I can take a shower and get dressed like I'm a better mom when I am showered and dressed and I have makeup on I just am I I function better and so to me the trade-off of my kids watching an episode of a show so that I can be ready so I can be a better mom to them is is much more valuable than you know them watch than the the the, the catastrophic things that are happening to them because they're watching a show. I'm like, right. I grew up watching Sesame Street and reading yeah, Rainbow and all that. Exactly. And, and we did just fine. We, tur- we turned out just fine. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So then the second question is, what is your favorite lifestyle hack? Like tip, trick, it can be beauty, wellness, lifestyle, business, anything. Hmm. Ah... Uh... This is just off at the top of my head because I have really been trying to do better at um, handling my email inbox. <laughs> my inbox can get out of control, as I'm sure most people's do, but especially business owners, your inbox just gets it's out of control. Um, and I use a service called Unroll.me, if you've never mm. heard of it. Um, you can go to Unroll, like U-N-R-O-L-L dot M-E, and you can connect it to all of your email inboxes. And basically, it's a way that you can either like mass unsubscribe to newsletters or you can add um, email newsletters to this unroll.me. Um, or you can add anything to it. But for me, I use it to add like subscription services or you know newsletters I'm subscribed to to it. And what it does is it collects all those emails throughout the day. And then at the end of the day, or whenever you set it, you can I think you can set it to send it to you midday, morning, or evening. But I send it to set it to evening. At the end of the day, I get my unroll.me and I can go through and instead of sifting through 20 emails, mm-hmm. I can sift through one and I can see yeah. all of the emails that I got and I can choose which ones I want to read um, or open or engage with. And it just it really cuts down on that like inbox clutter. Yeah. And so cutting down on that clutter is so, so important. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes it's like the number that you see yes. is intimidating in itself. And then you're just like, I can't even do it's, that. It stresses, right stresses me out beyond belief. <laughs> It's so true. Well, where can everyone find you, Molly? Um, so 
on my blog. My blog is just stillbeingmolly.com. Um, and on any social network, I am at stillbeingmolly. And then my podcast is called Business with Purpose. And you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, like pretty much any podcasting app. Um, you can just search for Business with Purpose and it's on there. So and you can subscribe there. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Molly. Thank you so much, Monica. This was really fun. Yes. Thanks for listening to the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review. For show notes and free tips and trainings, head over to monicawoodhams.com slash podcast. You'll be able to learn more about this week's guest and how to connect with her as well. Talk soon, y'all.